There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the USA and Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode two of season two of The Purge. Oh my gosh. You know what? I think I'm liking this more than the movie so far. Right. Because yep. you just get more. And so the fact that we're we're getting more explained. And it's only the second episode. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And the, yeah, what? Well, we didn't see the connections in the first se- event series until almost the end and we get a bunch of them in this episode yeah so it's crazy that's awesome now, they may not know find out they're connected but at least we do yeah and, and we're getting like the little bits of just everything that happens just the next day oh yeah the stuff we saw was you go whoa hold on right. a minute all right so, so let's i would say let's jump in because yeah. i'm ready to start talking Yes. Episode two, everything is fine. Yeah. (laughs) All I see is that meme with little dog drinking coffee and everything's on fire. This is fine. Everything's fine. The city cleans up last night's purge, but Ryan, Marcus, Esme, and Ben can't shake its effects. Okay. Can I just say the opening where we see zippy maids? Yeah. It's like, okay. And all I'm thinking is, I don't get paid enough for this. You know, like, that's what I'm thinking as the person who's going in to clean the house. Right. And it's, you know, a man and a woman. And she's the one that finds the dead husband with a knife. Did she roll her eyes? I think she did when she found it. She might have. You saw no reaction on her face whatsoever. She might have rolled her eyes. Her face never changed expression. Right. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm not working for Zippy Maids, I'll tell you that. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like nothing. And then like rolls the bag up or the body up into a body bag. Yep. And that gets set out like just the rest of the trash. Right. You what? set it out by the curb. And then another van comes and it's just marked body reco- recovery unit. And, yeah. And again, all that's going through my head with this is Monty Python. Bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. And I'm like, okay, they totally missed an opportunity just to have one of them wearing a shirt or something that would have yes, like hinted absolutely. at it. Like, no big deal. Trash is yep. out. The, the body's out. It's fine. The house is cleaned and we see the, the wife and children sitting down to dinner like nothing happened. What the hell? Yeah, except the wife notices a small blood stain on a placemat and moves her plate to cover it. Yeah, I love how everything is like replaced, though. It's like, oh, here, I'll put right. a new vase out, we'll put new flowers. Uh, 
how do you just match everything? Does like the person who's hiring you go out and buy all this stuff? Like, oh, this is what I need. Well, replace. Absolutely. I mean, it, this was a very well-off couple. Yeah. And you know, we saw last season that some people went to great lengths to plan things out. So it sure looks like, yep, your wife had the kids out of town for the night and basically told them that dad had a business trip and he's gone and she's happily sipping on her wine her chardonnay or whatever yeah Yeah. it was so weird to me and then even later in the episode when we end up seeing a house or yeah it was a house apartment whatever however you want to you know talk about it and it's like, oh, the person who lived here is dead. We're going to go in and do a walk around. Oh, are you interested? What? What? Yeah. Jeez. Like, is the body even cold yet? Yeah. It was just crazy. And just thinking that first episode, we've seen people like, all right, it's over. No big deal. Let's get back to life. And then this right, right away. It's like, this is crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we see Ryan walking through the streets and he passes a group of women and you hear a guy yelling that the purge is over the purge is over like they're gonna kill him wow and you see the street is just trashed yeah and actually i really love that because when it pans out and you just see all the damage because it's not just like murder and theft you see fires and now we know that bombs aren't allowed i mean right not that people wouldn't do it and it's like whatever they're gonna die yeah you catch (laughs) yeah but just seeing so much smoke and destruction like and yeah from big just office buildings and skyscrapers on i don't know if they're still on fire but you see the smoke coming out from them right and here's almost like like new york city okay you can't use a bomb or something to take down any building but who's to say you don't have access to construction equipment and you're just kind of going rogue with a giant wrecking ball right that's not one of the class fives or fours i can't remember what it was right but it was crazy just seeing all that because we've not seen that before we've always had real tight shots on everything right so yeah that was pretty awesome to see how things looked in the aftermath yes and Later, we see Ryan entering an assisted living center where he grabs money out of his bag and drops it on a lady's desk and tells the lady that it should be enough for another year. And she seemed all like, I know where you got that. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Gave him the stink eyes knowing that he robbed a bank to get the money. It's like, Ryan finds his. want the money? Right. Yeah. I don't want this. This is dirty money. Ryan finds his mom and kisses her on the cheek, and when he sits down, she asks him what's wrong, and he tells her that Tommy screwed up and he had to let him go, but he isn't sure that was the right thing to do, and his mom reassures him that he did the best he could, and then asks him what his name is. That was so sad. Yes. Poor lady has dementia. That was like, oh, this hurts. Yes. So now we understand why Ryan is turned to robbing banks on purge night is to pay for his mom's assisted living. 
later on meets up with the others at the hideout and asks if Tommy has made it back, and the girl tells him no. And he tells her that he had to pay his mother bills, so take it out of his cut. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, wait a second, Tommy's not back. This could be good for us because nobody's following him, or it could be bad. Like, you just see all the look, it's like, crap, is he still going to bring the heat down on us? Yeah, and they both agree that it sure doesn't look like they got much, and she says it's not as much as the previous years. So the banks are getting smarter. They're getting their money out of the banks before purge night. They're putting it somewhere. Yes, they are. And she informs them that it's only 200 total. And she's got a mortgage to pay and the driver has kids. I'm assuming that was supposed to be 200,000, not $200. Yeah, you would think with some of the stuff stacks we saw that yeah, even if they were all $1 bills, that's not <laughs> was more than 200 Right, right. And, of course, Tommy shows up telling Ryan he crossed two dead zones, and that's why he's late. And the others greet Tommy, and Ryan hears sirens. He looks at his video surveillance and sees multiple police cars pull up. And Ryan yells to bag the money and tells Tommy to go out the back, but he doesn't want them to get arrested. So he turns himself in. Yeah, they uh, reading were reading him his rights. While beating him black and blue. Right. It's like, okay, is this the cops getting their rage out? What the hell? Right. Although I did think it was interesting because they're like, what's going to happen to him? Right. And that threw me because I'm thinking, okay, they're just going to, because what, what they said, he gets liquidated or whatever. So I'm thinking, right, okay, the liquidation they're going to kill him right away. Right. No. And with the way the police started beating him, you kind of thought that that was where it was going. But no, Ryan tells him that, no, they'll hold him until the next purge. Then they'll kill him. Yeah. I was like, what? No, just no trial, no nothing. I couldn't believe that. I I was not expecting them to say they were going to hold them until next year. Right. Yeah. And of course, the other two were ready to give it up. Not worth it anymore. The purges are getting worse. And Ryan says, before you make up your minds, don't make any decisions until you hear from me. And I'm thinking, is he going to try to do something in between purges? Yeah. You kind of think that might be what's on his mind but it seems like when we see him staking out a bank you kind of go rot row what are you doing but he follows the armored car that leaves the bank and follows it and so blatantly following it right apparently oh it's not purged so it doesn't matter who cares yeah apparently it pulls into a beat-up warehouse and minutes later a white van pulls out and ryan follows it knowing that they're switching vehicles when there was definitely more than one white van in that warehouse ryan sees the van pull into a small airport and wonder where it's going so are the banks taking taking it money off the the, top or taking it out of the country somehow right yes reporting that yeah they got robbed and they cleared out a hundred million dollars and Instead, they put that hundred million in their back pocket because there wasn't a hundred million. There was only two hundred thousand dollars in there. Right. Mm, sounds like everybody's dirty, not just the government. 
Hmm. It's kind of interesting to see what might be yeah. happening. Yeah. Or they're paying off the NFFA. Ooh. And that could be too. Now, Tommy's wife comes to the hideout and he gives her the rest of his money. And she asks what's wrong and he tells her that the bank didn't have as much money as they thought and Tommy didn't get out in time. Brian tells her he is close to finding out where the banks are hiding their money and he wants to make sure her and her child are taken care of. Now, I was real curious because we hear the child making a noise, but when she leaves, there's no child. It's like, Say what? She had a carrier. Um, okay, maybe. Or like one of them picked up like a carrier. Okay. I, I, I just thought. thought she had a bag in one hand and the money in the other, but might have been. I swear there was. Now, of one. course. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, she says she can't stay there anymore and she has family in Arizona that will take them in. And she thanks him for looking out after Tommy and leaves. Shoot. Is there. Family in Canada? Maybe you should go there. Get away from the purge altogether. Yeah. Now we see Esme waking up from a nightmare of seeing her friend killed in the egg seats and returns to work. So did she sleep there all night? or? Right? Because she looks like she was it? wearing the same stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Now her boss informs her that it was a record night as the numbers are up 30% and she needs to get the files from the night before closed as quickly as possible. I'm no, sure that's not good. Go through quickly. Sure. Yeah. And of course, she hesitates when she sees her friend's file and she watches the video again and wonder why did it happen and her coworker asks her why she's pursuing it. And then Esme shows her co-worker video that proves that it wasn't random and taps into her friend's cell phone and smart TV to find out what happened inside her home. Yes, because she has a registered smart TV. Yeah. Now I'm like, did I register my TV? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, how <laughs> smart is my TV? <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Need to go back to the old and, tube. Yeah, and an old uh, landline cell phone, maybe. I mean, a landline home phone. (laughs) Right, turn off your cell phone when you're at home. You don't know who's listening. Now, if this transmission cuts out, we (laughs) might know who's listening. Yes. This used to happen when we talked about aliens in a certain show. Yes, it did. Now, we see Esme going to her boss's office, and he has her shut the door and asks her, who is Drew Adams? Then you go, yep, the surveillance camera got you busted. Or her co-worker. Right. I don't trust Either her. or. No. And she tells him that it was a long time ago and something about her sister. So, hmm, interesting. And he tells her they would both get fired for a personal case. Of course, she argues with him telling him that something just isn't right about it, and he tells her to take some time off and to drop it. Like, that's going to happen. Right. And is he just like, just leave it alone because he knows that there's something up with it? Or because he's just like, okay, really, I need you here. Don't screw this up. You're good. Yeah. She's his best employee. There's no doubt about that. We saw the IT guys gambling on the heist and... (laughs) Like, you guys suck. She works and she knows what she's doing. So we need to keep right. her here, keep her around here. 
Right. And I'm sure he doesn't want to lose his job either. Because once you work for the NFFA, uh, you might disappear mm-hmm. after being let go. Now, of course, later on, we see Esme at the vigil for Professor Adams. And that's interesting because, okay, now we are just starting to connect dots. Yes, big time. And she returns to work and checks on her downloads. Yeah, how long does it take? Those are like really good computers. Yeah, no, we don't know how much time actually got recorded. I mean, could be years. But as she listens to the recording, she looks up and sees her boss in his office, and you go, you're going to get busted. I was waiting. I was thinking he was watching her, especially, like, when all of a sudden the noise stopped. I thought, like, the boss was, like, mirroring her computer and stopped it. Right. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But no, she adjusts the noise levels and listens to the recording again. Now, about this time, I'm wondering if Miss Drew didn't like what the NFFA was doing to the country and was able to dig up some dirt that could have started a revolution and she was killed for it because there had to be something. That's interesting because I was thinking because her boss was like, you need to grieve and and get past this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, drop it. That it was something with, the surveillance companies, which I guess are under NFFA, but like Could something be. more specific with them. Right. But who knows? Because I don't think it didn't turn out to be either of these, it seems. I don't know. So, of course, she hears all kinds of noise on the recording and wonders what Drew was doing. So she heads to Drew Drew's home and goes inside to look around because, of course, the door has been busted open. And as she heads upstairs, it creaks, and she stops and pulls out her phone with the recording on it, and she matches the creaks with the recording and continues upstairs. She listens again and looks around trying to find something to match the sound she's hearing, and she finds a squeaky door, which matches the sound that opens to another stairway. And because the next sound she hears didn't sound like someone walking up the steps. She decides to check them. And she, of course, finds one that opens and sees an envelope inside. And, of course, she hears a noise downstairs and you go, well, Esme, it was nice knowing you. I totally (laughs) thought the same thing. I'm like, she's dead. That's it. And she just grabs her stuff and heads downstairs and you go, you're walking into your death, lady. <laughs> right, what's she going to flash her badge or something? Right, and runs into two men downstairs. And again, I'm like, oh, she ain't going to make it. Right, and the guy in the suit asks if she's looking to buy and that the owner was purged last night. Yeah, like I said, no wait time at all. Right, and he tries to hand her a card saying that it would sell fast as it's a historically protected building, but she tells them no and leaves. And yeah, that until I heard that it was a historically protected building, I was kind of wondering, why would a college professor be living in that old run-down neighborhood? 
I guess she had a thing for historic houses because it was, and it wasn't in good shape. No, no, it didn't look like it looked like it was just falling apart around her. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we see Esme arriving home and she triple locks her door, unplugs her TV and radio, closes the curtain and turns off her phone. Um, she knows. <laughs> nope, she knows what they can do. And she opens the envelope to find a voice recorder and some brain scans. And she hears Drew interviewing a woman about her dreams, and the lady tells her they are getting more violent. And all she can think about is violence. And because you see multiple brain scans, my guess is they NFFA is putting something in water or in food or something that is causing people to have their brains swell or affect the violent part, you know, activate the violent part of their brain to where it takes over. See, that, that's I why was, we're seeing a big increase from the previous purge. That's interesting. See, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking that it was showing somehow that everybody who was affected the previous purge somehow, like, is going out and purging. And so, like, they're intentionally kind of like the original or the um first purge movie that, right. like, they were paying people to go out and cause all the problems yep. to get more people to be involved. Right. No, I definitely think this is something that <clears throat> the NFFA is behind. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I still think we we are looking at the be- about to have the beginnings of a revolution against the NFFA. Hmm. Okay. So we check in on Marcus and Michelle. And Michelle asks Marcus what he plans on doing. And he mentions that there are companies that will hunt the guy down. Interesting, but not surprising. Right. She tells him that that doesn't sound like something he would do, but he tells her things have changed and he will protect her. You go, either he's been pulling the wool over Michelle's eyes or or this has affected him. <laughs> and what we find out later, yeah. And later we see Marcus entering a hospital with wounded people everywhere. They are overrun. And he tells one of the orderlies to bring a woman back. And, of course, a guy yells at him that that's not fair. He should be going. And, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm surprised they don't have way more doctors in there. Right. Absolutely. Like, bring in the students to get everybody together. Yes. They should definitely have a whole lot more there than what they had. Yeah. Yeah. We see Marcus checking on a patient with another doctor. And the bullet didn't hit a major artery, so they'll clean him up and he'll be fine. Since when does getting shot just... <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just a scratch. Right. As it went all the way through his body. Well, I thought it was weird, like, how calm some of the people were. Like, the guy was missing, like, a leg, and he's just sitting there like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I you have a the- high pain tolerance, but... um. Yeah, no, <laughs> not that that yeah. not that high. Even the bullet wound guy, just like, oh, right. What? 
yeah, you see some people that, you know, are calm, cool, and collected, and, you know, you have the majority just freaking out. And the guy who was like, help her, help her, and I'm like, I think that girl's dead that he's holding. Yeah, I think so, too. And, of course, the guy with the desk that doesn't have his hand attached to his arm, I don't know how he was able to get that far back, but he did, and Marcus yells for pressure um, bandages. Yeah, give me pressure bandages. It's like, hey, you'll be fine, though. And it's like, walks away from the dude. Right. What? What? But he sees a guy laying on a cart. Yeah. That happens to have a, you know, one of the military-type vests and walks over to him. And, of course, he flashes back to when he saw the guy's dead, what he thought was dead body. And guess what? The guy has the same scarring on his hand that the guy from the night before did. Now, how the hell did he get so lucky? Right. And the other doctor comes up and says he will take the guy. And Marcus, oh, no, no, no. This one's mine. As they roll him into surgery. Now, Marcus and the other doctor start checking the guy out. And the other doctor wants to get a surgeon. But Marcus informs him that there isn't enough time. The other doctor looks at the guy's legs while Marcus tries to wake him up. <laughs> yeah, you wake wonder, up. And, uh, is it's like, Marcus going to kill the guy trying to wake him up? Right, right. It's like Rosebud. He just like throws out like this word as he's like half awake. Was it Ivy, Ivory Road? Yeah. Ivy Roads? I can't, couldn't quite tell. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to tell what, it, what he said. But when the guy wakes up, he freaks out because, of course, he's seeing the guy that he's supposed to be killing, supposed to have killed. <laughs> Don't kill me. It's like, oh, oh, oh. So yeah. it was cool. You were trying to kill me. Okay. Ivory Road. That's it. I finally found it in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course, Marcus demands a, I guess it was a nasal. Narcan is. It's- there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, pharmacy, for helping me out. Narcan is what yeah. they give people who have overdosed. It's not exactly, but but almost like a huge shot of adrenaline. And it's right. nasally. That's... Done nasally. <laughs> I'm like, that sounded weird. Right. Um, yeah, instead you of get it into your having system to quicker. stab it through your chest. Yeah. Uh... And so I don't know if that's the reaction when you're close to death. I mean, in regards to how people react when they're overdosing. I think it's similar to that because it, it brings right. them out like immediately. Yeah. But yeah, it's too late for that. And I did kind of feel like, all right, the only reason he's doing this, obviously, is to get some more information. Right. Yeah. Because the guy only tells him that they would kill him before he goes unconscious. And then after the the Narcan, he actually gets out the ivory road. Yeah. And then he dies. <laughs> you go, wonderful. So close, but so far away. Of course, Marcus sees the guy's body being willed out, and he asks the guy to hold up. Of course, while he's doing this, he sees the other doctor talking to, the I'm assuming, the chief of staff, who follows Marcus out the building. And, of course, she asks if it's true, and Marcus tells her that that was the guy who tried to purge him. And, of course, she asks, did you get any information? He tells her no. And Marcus Tells her that he would never endanger the life of a patient and the guy was going to die anyway. And the lady tells him that she believes him and he should go home to his wife and she'll take care of the paperwork. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I'm oh, like, uh oh, is this yeah. something else? Right. Yeah, we got some bosses that we're a little nutty. Not quite on the side of trusting yet, shall we say? <laughs> not after last season. No. And then we get this big sign flashes on our TV. 364 days till the next purge. And then the number flips. 363 yeah. days. It's like, what? Okay. Yeah. Obviously, we don't day. have that many hours of the show, but right. interesting. It's like, okay, we're going to see how this starts going. Right. And we see Marcus on the campus. Why is he there? Apparently, his son goes there, who happens to be Kellen's friend and was the one leading the vigil for Professor Adams. Okay. You know, click, 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 click. Right. It's like, <laughs> okay, we're just putting all these pieces together quick, like joining the joining the stories somehow. But yes. Looking at this kid, I'm like, this kid looks too old to be Marcus's kid because yeah. I'm thinking, all right, med school, he'd probably get out and residency, blah, blah, because he's late 20s to early 30s, I'm thinking. So let's just say, even if he had his kid really early, then he's like late 30s, maybe? I feel right. like it'd have to be older than that. Right. And his son is probably close to mid-20s. You think mid? I was thinking maybe, maybe, maybe early 20s. Maybe. But I'm like, Marcus either has a baby face or his son is just whoever they got. Just I don't know. The ages don't seem right, but that's just me. Right. Yeah. Now I know some people age really well. Yeah. But, uh, maybe I'm just jealous. But I'm just yeah. like, wow. Because I was thinking Marcus was like early 30s. Right. So I'm like, there's no way he could gonna... have a college age son. Yeah. I mean, technically it's possible. But yeah. <laughs> how biology works but still yes of course his son wants to know why his dad's there and marcus tells him that somebody tried to purge him and that he needs his help of course marcus looks at the phone with the pictures of his father and says it's creepy and then marcus asks how it's going and his son goes you never asked me about school right like what's up yeah oh somebody tried to purge me it's like what yeah and his son tells him that he was working on his thesis when the professor he was working it with was purged. And you go, okay, so now we have something else that may tie into this. I wonder if he was part of the cases that Professor Adams was oh, looking into. Interesting. Now, of course, Marcus asks if his son was involved in the purge, and his son tells him no, he wasn't there. And of course, you know, the small talk, how's Michelle handling it? Well, she slept with the lights on. And then Marcus brings out the Ivory Road information. And his son, of course, is a whole lot smarter than he is about the interwebs and tells him that it's a dark website that is a trading post for illegal activity. Oh, and I love it. Marcus is like, wait, how do you know? <laughs> I don't use it. I just know about it. Yeah, okay. But anyone can, and he starts looking through the phone again. Of course, Marcus says, hey, I never found, couldn't find anything on the guy's phone. It must have been wiped clean. 
And his son looks at it and notices the calculator icon is not quite right. And his son opens the app and discovers there is a $75,000 bounty out on his dad. What the hell has Marcus yeah. done? Yeah. <laughs> He's got 75000 just to throw out there and be like, all right, you got one night. Get it done. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, that's, that's probably a little more than uh, the uh, assassin was going to get for killing the lady's boss last season that's for sure right <laughs> so yeah that's going to be a huge uh, thing to find out so we last but not least check in on ben and we see ben's friend making it back to the frat house the next morning and runs into kellen who wants to know where ben is did that guy not just look like he was going to throw up right th- then and there i mean the friend looked absolutely horrified because he oh, knows yeah. what he, he did. Oh, yeah, he was white as a ghost. Yeah, he definitely knows that he definitely screwed up by leaving his friend there, but he had breakfast with him, so he wasn't all that upset. Well, you yeah. really think he, he t- wasn't afraid? Wasn't upset? I feel oh, like... Oh, I think he was. Like planning yeah. some shit for next year. <laughs> yeah, he tells her he thinks that Ben didn't make it and of course, as soon as those words get out of his mouth, Bloody Ben shows up and grabs his friend's breakfast and eats it in front of him. And I don't blame him. Of course, Kellen wants him to go to the hospital, but Ben tells her that the blood isn't his, thank God, and goes and takes a shower. And at first, he's fully clothed and slowly removes his clothing to get the blood off his entire body. Did you notice how all the other frat boys had just stopped talking when he came in, just covered with blood? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 crap. Yeah. And later on, Kellen finds Ben sitting outside drawing in a book when Marcus's son, who we find out is Marcus's son, informs her that a professor was purged the night before. Of course, Ben asks if class is canceled and they both glare at him. Yeah, he seemed really disconnected. Yes, yes. There's no doubt he is definitely in the middle of PTSD big time. Yes. And of course, the guy informs her that there's going to be a gathering tonight for the professor. And Kellen tells him that they'll be there and then asks Ben if he's all right. And when he's ready to talk about the night before, she's there for him. Like, I'm not sure she anything she can do can help him, especially at this point. Yeah, especially when you start seeing everything kind of leaking out in, in this 24 to 48 hour period with him. Right. Like he's drawing the mask of the guy who yes. attacked him. He's doing the weird um, video game later, like the VR right. game. It's like you're trying yeah. to cut yourself with a, a pocket knife. Yeah. It just seemed really, really strange. It's like, okay, you can see the disconnect. And that's why watching this, I was kind of piecing that with the professor's interview. That's right. what I was thinking. Right. And it very well could be. And of course, just before Esme gets home, we see a couple pictures on a table with candles. We go, okay, is this inside her home? And 
that's the picture of the professor. But no, it's the vigil at the college. And that's where we see Esme and Ben and, of course, Marcus's son. And we go, oh, this is just everybody coming together. Yeah. And he tells everyone that she loved her country, but would speak out against things that were wrong. And I go, okay, little activist. That No wonder you might have gotten purged. I guess we'll find out more. Yep. Of course, seeing Ben in the VR game was just freaky. Yeah. Because he definitely looked like he had completely lost it. But then having the guy outside telling him to hurry up so his brother can play. And you see the kid, the kid's not more than seven or eight. <laughs> you go, really, dude? You're going to let your younger brother play that? Right. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, what is that shit? Yeah. And Ben ends up going back to where he was attacked and still sees the blood on the floor. Of course. Yeah, it's like not everything was cleaned up around there. No. And he he finds the mask and picks it up and flashes back again. Yeah. Ben, I think, is having a really rough go right now. Oh, absolutely. He is not being able to process what happened and how he reacted to it. Right. Because, yeah, he could have stabbed the guy once and... And got away. Grabbed the keys and got away. But... No, he went to hacking. So, yeah, he's got major things to process. And, yeah, I have a feeling he might be uh, one of those that has the enlarged violence centers in his brain that the professor was looking into. Should be interesting how things start coming together. Now I want to know how Ryan is going to be attached to all these people. Right. And who the hell is looking for Marcus? Yeah. Hmm. There's got to be somebody up there. I know. Probably somebody that won't. Wouldn't it be horrible if it was Michelle's father? <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, I'm thinking somehow it's connected. With the hospital I'm or with the purge with night. The like oh, maybe well, Marcus could... like operated on somebody. And it didn't go well, and like right. whoever's moving the money, I don't know. This is like really just pulling crap out of the air at this point, right? <laughs> so I don't know. It should be interesting how we get there to find out how they're all connected. And this is only episode two. Yeah, yeah. I, this is going great so far. I I love this episode. So. so you know how we feel. How do you feel about it? What did you think? Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. Let us know your thoughts on this episode and how the season's going so far. You can always go over to www.fangirlzone.com. Check out all of our stuff over there. And, of course, our contacts page because there's the way to find us on all the different interwebs right there on that contacts page because you guys know I screw it up all the time. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on because good ratings and reviews help other fans of this show find us. And, of course, tell your friends. You guys, if you're into the horror movies, watch all the Purge movies, watch the first season, and then make sure you get your friends into this one. Because this, I feel, just is a whole new perspective and really opens up the Purge-verse. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirl-S. 
And I'm Steve. The fact that someone can do this just shows you how messed up our system is. And until next time.